A very special thanks to our $5 fans, Brian Walsh, Derek Rosenstrauch, M.R. Jason, Pelham Deli B, and Dylan Mason. You're listening to Let's Make Mistakes with Jesse Char. And Mike Montero. That's Jesse Char of Facebook. <laughs> it is Jesse Char of Facebook. I'm a contractor, okay? Jesus. I did it mostly to make you mad. I know, because you've been tweeting at me since you started there. Well, there's posters of you all over the place. I know there are, aren't there? Just reminding me of your presence. You can't get rid of me. No. (laughs) They kept those up? It's like a big yellow poster or something. Yeah, yeah. Why did you all over Facebook, Jesse? Well, one, because they offered me a job. Um, you know, they offered me to have the opportunity to um, show up and kind of, you know, w- use my brain for a couple hours a day and then in return get uh, paid for it. That's probably the primary reason. What can you, what are you doing? Can you, can you talk about it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> this, it's my first week not doing much yet. Okay. Filling um, out forms. Filling out forms, reading, reading all of their internal company information. Have you used the climbing wall yet? I haven't used the climbing wall. Have you seen the climbing wall? I saw it the other day from from the the top deck of the shuttle. Oh, um, yeah, let's. So we're gonna do a whole separate episode on <laughs> shuttles. <laughs> shuttles pretty nice. I uh, Jesus. I am working on uh, the origami team. Origami what? is a toolkit for quartz composer. Quartz Composer is an old Mac application that is bundled with Xcode that is like a node-based programming tool that in the past uh, maybe like four or five years has kind of come back into vogue um, because a lot of designers are using it to prototype their design without it having to be developed. Interesting. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Pacific Helm used it a lot. Those assholes. Yeah, those assholes. Uh, So, so I can you call them assholes? Well, I just did. Okay. I mean, you know, I can call I can call you an asshole, right? Yeah, you can. I call everybody an asshole. Yeah, but we're not like in the middle of a thing. Oh no, I'm just you know I was just going I was just rolling with it. I was All just right. rolling with it. I was just flowing. Uh, yeah. So we used a lot of Pacific Helm. I don't know how to use it personally, but I've been around it enough to kind of understand how it fits into people's workflows. We should learn how to use it so you can teach me how to use it. Yeah, I am, I am going to be trying to learn how to use it All because right. kind of one of my uh, primary efforts is going to be to help put together kind of education programs for it, structuring documentation, things like that. So, yeah. I say that now. Honestly, it could change in a couple of weeks once they figure out, like, what my deal is. But, you know, that's supposedly what I'm doing there. All right. Yeah. And how do you feel about working there? Um... You can tell tell me the truth after we're recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I can tell you the truth now. I mean, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be there if I was like, if I thought it was super dumb, right? I use Facebook. I've been on Facebook for a long time, for ten years or whatever. One point four billion people use Facebook. Yeah, a lot of people use it. One point four billion. A lot of people. That's a lot. That's many people. That's the number that they gave me when I was down there. That's That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. So. Facebook, I know, I know that 
Facebook, as well as like a lot of other larger tech companies, have a lot of controversy surrounding them because of the ethics of uh, and gravity of of having people's personal information, <laughs> right? Yes. Like Google, Facebook, yep. Amazon, things like that. I'm a little bit removed from Facebook, the product, since I'm working on a design sure. toolkit that is public, so you could use it. Anybody can use it. So I don't think that that was a big consideration for me for this particular job, just since this role is so, I guess, tangential from all of that. Although I use Facebook and I like it a lot as a social networking tool. 1.4 billion people do. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Yeah. Facebook, the company, uh, surpri- I, you know, I talked with a, ha- a good handful of tech companies in the Bay Area um, during my sabbatical. And um, is that what we're saying now? <laughs> uh, while I was playing Mario Kart full time, have you have you done Mario 3D yet? Uh, no, I haven't. Is that it just yeah, is that a, get a that. Wii game or is that a 3DS game? Okay, Wii U. Wii U? Okay, yeah, you got to get on that. I one. think I may have gotten. I got some sort of Mario game for free or with a bundle with my Wii. I think that was Super Mario Brothers. Okay, Mario probably. 3D World. Oh, okay, I don't know Mario want. 3D World. It's good. Oh yeah. I haven't really gotten into a Mario game since Super Mario World for the SNES. Not even Mario Galaxy. I played Mar. I had Mario Galaxy. I Galaxy played like the was first great. part of it. It was really pretty. But I've always been more interested in Mario as a, a like a like a what is it a platformer. I just okay. I just want to like run in a straight line and hop over things. Like That's the fair. 3D just adds like it's I mean literally like adds another axis of confusion. All but right. Mario Kart fantastic. Love Mario Kart. I mean, I have to say, I know that this is not a video game podcast, but this is where we're going right it now. It could be. I have to say there are a couple of very minor disappointments in Mario Kart 8. Um, one being that when you uh when you run into one of those little, you know, goody boxes that goes and then it gives you like a banana peel. Right. So you used to be able always gives you a banana peel. Well, if you're in first place, it gives you a banana peel or now like a coin, which is so stupid. It's useless. I don't um, want a coin. So yeah, number one, coin, whatever. I don't think it makes a difference. Um two, you used to be able to like hold down the activator button and you would be available to get another treat from one of those boxes, and you could just hold your banana peel behind you so that if somebody was coming oh, after yeah, you with a yeah, red yeah, shell, yeah. it would just let go of the banana, the banana peel. Which game was that? Uh, I mean, that's all of the last ones. Really? I think so. I, mean, I don't remember that in the last one. In the, in the Wii one? Yeah, in the Wii one. And like, if you got the like multi green shell or multi red shell or yeah. multi banana, once you 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 would just have that in the waiting wing, and then once you activated it, it would it would free up your your box again, and and the little shells would spin around you. But now, like, you just don't have as much like wiggle room. Like, you really can only have one weapon at a time. I'll believe you because I don't want to go back and verify. Uh, it's right. I'm right. Okay. Um, the other thing is that the battle is not as fun. The battle used to take place like in like a just like an arena, right? And you would have your balloons, and you would just like right. drive in circles and find the other person and shoot shells at them. But now it's on like a race course. I don't do battle. Oh, I I liked battle. See, battle. I mean, playing Mario Kart and doing battle is is like going to Disneyland and seeing shows. But I like the shows at Disneyland, and really? it wasn't like that. It was it was on a, like battle was really fun. Because you just, because like, you know how part of the fun of Mario Kart is just like fucking people over with your shells, right? Yeah. 
And that was that was all it was. You didn't have to worry about a course. You were literally just picking up those boxes and leaving banana peels everywhere and just like shooting off green shells so that they were just like, you know, the, the battlegrounds were littered with them. It was very fun. So I want to commend you on the excellent job you've done of getting me off the Facebook topic. <laughs> but I'm bringing us back. You wanted to talk about Mario Kart also. Well, sure. Um, yeah, bringing us back. Where were we? I don't remember. You, uh, you asked there, how it was. There are posters at of me There's hanging posters at Facebook. of you. I like it there. I I feel like I, I guess part of it is that I don't actually have a lot of experience at large companies. I think that in the past five years, Mule was the largest company I worked for, and I think I was at yeah, the time huge. the ninth employee. So Facebook is you know th- in the thousands of people. I don't really know how many. I don't know how to quantify that, but it's a lot. And they seem to be fairly well managed for being such a large company. But I don't know yet. I've only been there for two days. It could be terrible. I hope it's not. Yeah, I mean, it seems it seems good. The interviews that I had with them, um, I felt like I had a chance to interview them just as much as they interviewed me. You know, I give I've given them a lot of shit. Yeah. And and. But, and they but, deserve that right, shit. Yeah. They totally deserve that shit. Mm-hmm. And they invited me to go down there and tell them in person, mm-hmm. which takes guts. Yeah. And I did. How was it? How was it received? It was received mostly very well. What I got the sense that there are people there who actually want to do things better than they are now. They are dealing with 1.4 billion people, mm-hmm. and, one, and those people are giving them very intimate information about themselves. Mm-hmm. And the problem that I have is the way that they behave with that information. Mm-hmm. Um, changing privacy policies on a whim, mm-hmm. not looking through, not you know, working through all the use cases of what happens. Uh, things that you that you post privately can be made public. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, the internet is a copy-paste medium, so. Mm -hmm. But the tool shouldn't enable things like that, shouldn't make those things possible. Mm -hmm. And they haven't been very careful or very conscious of how how they've dealt with those things in the past. Mm -hmm. I think there's people there who are trying to change that. Mm -hmm. But the most difficult thing to change in a company is a culture. Mm, yes. A culture is like the first thing that solidifies in a company. Like yeah. two, three people, you got a culture. It's the first thing that solidifies, and it's also the first thing to like get fucked up when you add new people. Right. Because the, because the culture doesn't adapt. Well, because the, the culture doesn't adapt, and, and it's not that the culture goes away, it's that it creates this weird conflict that is really hard to understand and quantify until you figure out that it's a culture problem. Right. So have you also noticed in your two days at Facebook, Mm -hmm. there are posters everywhere that say ship it. There are a lot, there are a lot of posters. I know. (laughs) But one of the, one of the ones I noticed, and there's several variations on this theme Mm -hmm. is ship it, Mm -hmm. which is built in, which was built into Facebook's culture from the beginning, Mm -hmm. like a bunch of bros in a room shipping shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's a great way to, you know, to, to do a startup. That's a great way to get out in the world. It's a great way to get a minimal viable product out there. But at some point, when you, you know, somewhere on the road to 1.4 billion users giving you intimate information, 
your culture needs to change from ship it first to to like test it. Yeah, testing is a uh, great and useful and like, research. <laughs> test it, try it, work through it. So you sound like a Daft Punk song right now. Yeah. So 25 25-year-old 25 guys mm -hmm. are going to see all of the problems that 25-year-old guys can see. Yeah, things like uh shadow schedules. Yeah. But they're not going to see the problems that a 63-year-old woman will see mm -hmm. or an 18-year-old lesbian. Truth. Or a 43-year-old black man because they don't have that experience. So they don't know to look for those things. Mm -hmm. So when, when your product gets big enough that the, the audience that, that, you're, it's, that are using it is incredibly ridiculously diverse... And I mean, with Facebook, you're talking about global cultures diverse. The odds that a bunch of 24-year-old dudes in sweatshirts are thinking about all the ramifications of those decisions amongst that varied an audience are 0%. Yeah. And that's what they need to do. Yeah. I mean, how... Um you know, at, at, here at Mule, like you guys do a lot of research. Do you feel like you still have blind spots when you're working on projects? And Absolutely. How do, you, how do you recognize those and how do you adjust well, you, for those? you don't. You don't know a blind spot because you can't see it. You don't know that you don't know something. Yeah. And I mean, that's the value of research on a project. And um, that's why we talk to other people and talk to people who are not like us. And that's why I've tried to hire people who are not like me. Mm -hmm. I mean, one asshole is enough. So, <laughs> are like, you referring to yourself or to Rupert? Sure. So, even when we're like collaborating here at the office, I want to like, I'll think something's great. And then somebody who's not me, whose life experience and, you know, shit they've had to deal with in their life is, is totally different, will look at it and go, oh, no, that's a problem because of this. Mm -hmm. And then they'll tell a story. That backs that up, and I'll, I'll go, oh, shit, you're totally right. No, that didn't occur to me at all. Yeah. And, you know, that's why you want to have as, as diverse a team as possible. You're, you're hopefully building things for a diverse audience, and you need to, the people who are building it need to be diverse in their experience as well, so that you can test it the way that, so that you can look at it the way that audience will test it. So you said that your talk at Facebook was mostly received really well. Did you get negative feedback from it? I didn't get, well, I wouldn't say negative feedback, mm -hmm. but there was a little bit of defensiveness from certain people in the audience. Yeah. In this, you know, in the way that, you know, we've worked really hard on something and here comes this asshole from the outside and he's criticizing us. Yeah. Fair it's enough. totally understandable. Mm -hmm. And again, that's, you know, their point of view. And I brought my point of view to it. Like one of, like one of the issues that we talked about is is uh, the thing in this talk that I, I gave um, about the the college student who was who was accidentally outed. Mm -hmm. I think did you give that talk at Webstock or did you talk about that at Webstock? I gave it. I... I gave it at Webstock okay. among other places. Mm -hmm. uh, but she was accidentally outed because all of her private information that would reveal her her sexual orientation was marked private. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she, she was like, this was somebody who like fine-tuned all their settings to make sure that, you know, they could, 
say whatever they wanted to on Facebook, as is their right. And the right people would see the right types of things. The people that she wanted to see these things would see them. And the people that she didn't want seeing these things wouldn't see them. And, you know, the stuff that she would want her parents to see, you know, it was all very carefully constructed. And she joined uh, a gay and lesbian chorus group when she got to college. And the guy running the chorus group uh, added her to the group. Um, all very innocent stuff. Except that uh, when he added her to the group, it went on her timeline. And it was marked public because the group was public. Mm. And that's when her dad found out that his daughter was a lesbian. Yeah. I mean, that's such a hard situation, right? <laughs> so I was, so it's an incredibly, I mean, it's, a, it's an emotionally complex situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is people's private lives. Yeah. And it's on them how they want to run them. Mm -hmm. So then one of the people in the audience at Facebook, and, and I, I, was t I told this story and I said, you outed this woman. And he says, you know, well, technically it was the music director who outed her. Mm -hmm. And that, I, I said, no, you, you outed her. And, and that's true. Mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was a design decision made in the software. That provided that, the notification. That provided the notification that outed her to her parents. Mm -hmm. And until they are ready to see that as the truth and to bear the responsibility for things like that, mm -hmm. then they can't fix it. Mm -hmm. If they go on thinking, as I'm sure their many army of their their army of lawyers is telling them to do, that it is not their response that this was not their responsibility, which I'm sure for legal reasons is the thing they need to say, mm -hmm. then they're never going to accept that this is something they have to fix. Yep. Well, I work on a design toolkit. <laughs> it isn't anywhere near that. <laughs> but. but but your checks are going to be coming from the company that does this. Yeah. And you're going to cash them. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, but I think that that, at that scale. I mean, people love to remind me that Ver Werner von Braun wasn't actually a Nazi yet. He cashed the checks. Yeah. I mean, I'm not calling you a Nazi. Oh by the no, way. I know. And I think, I think, but I think that that's the kind of thing where it's just like, Every choice that you make in life is going to have some ethical gray areas. And you just kind of have to carve out which things you uh, are okay with and which things you're not okay with. And, like, you order a lot of things on Amazon, Sure right? I do. Well, the bare, at the bare minimum, you need to be aware of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, so I think that—but I think, you know, like, there's, uh, there's being aware and then—which I am. And then there's still— cash in those checks, which I also am going to do. <laughs> so here's what I want to happen at Facebook. Mm -hmm. I want them to be able to hire really fantastic people. Yes. To fix this thing. Yes. Because 1.4 billion people are not going to stop using Facebook. Nope. Well, I mean, possibly. I mean, they, anything yeah, sure. is possible. In the anything sense that anything possible. is possible. <laughs> but the best possible outcome here would be to fix this. Yep. It's the most likely outcome. Yep. I mean, of, of all the good outcomes. I mean, if you're, look, if you're looking at two options and one is, well, Facebook shuts down and two, Facebook actually hires, uh, cares enough about this to hire the people and empower the people who can look at this problem or in problems like these that arise in the future and deal with them before they hit the interface. Mm -hmm. That is 
the most likely of those two things to happen, and that's the one I'm rooting for. Yep. Well, been there two days. And get uh, to work, Char. Look, look, I got granola bars to eat. I got shuttles to take. Um, I have amenities to discover. <laughs> so many amenities to discover. That's like all my day is so far. That's why I have nothing to say is because like I've just spent the last two days like cruising the wiki and just seeing if the different snack kitchens have different snacks in them just to kind of, <laughs> you know, take stock of all of that information. We buy people milk and coffee. Oh, they have that there. Yeah, that's all. I mean, that's what we, those are our amenities. I've never, I mean, I worked at Apple before, but Apple, the lunch wasn't free. Like you could pay for it with your badge and it was pretty cheap. Like you could get like a, you know, a pan, like a giant pancake for $2. That was fantastic. They were really good pancakes. They had fresh blueberries in them. And so that felt very luxurious at the time. And there is free tea, which I would always just like take like handfuls of and then stash it in my desk. Sure. That felt like, that was like, to me, that was like, oh, this big glitzy tech job. So now there are just beverage refrigerators everywhere. And those vending machines where you can like get cables for free, oh, the best what it's so cool they're vending machines <laughs> and they have like keyboards and headphones and usb cables and just like miscellaneous like mice and just and screen cleaner seriously yeah and you just like go and you press 11 and you get a 30 pin cable i got i'm gonna put together a shopping list and i gotta get invited back <laughs> yeah see next time you really gotta you gotta take advantage there's like a candy shop on campus what oh no i did see that yeah there's a candy in shop in the quad Oh, I don't know what anything is called yet. Oh God, it doesn't look like a workplace. It, I, uh, according to the internet, the campus was inspired by Main Street USA. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. I got, I, yeah, I caught that. Yeah. Well, I hope you can. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you can get shit done. I just want to get shit done and eat free granola bars. Yeah. Let's talk about day one of the post Apple world. Oh. Well, I just wrote a blog post about how much I think the Apple Watches are going to be. About how what? <laughs> how much money I think the Apple Watches are going to cost. They announced it. They announced that they were going to start at three forty nine, but there are like 18 different models that they're selling. Oh, you, so you wrote a blog post about this? Yeah. All right. What do you got? I guess the prices. I, okay, this is probably super boring for you, but maybe it will ignite the interest of at least one and a half of our listeners have we said hi to jared yet no should we yeah i mean it's i mean he's he's our listener hi jared hey jared how are you awesome that's great okay all right i'm gonna keep talking now um uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did you what did you think of the iWatch, mike oh i think it's horrible you think it's terrible i do are I, you gonna get one anyway no nah, i don't think so all right what don't you like about it it doesn't do anything yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's an iPhone accessory. I mean, I'm I'm probably it's not gonna for buy me. one. It's not for me. I don't think it's for me either because I can't see myself reliably wearing it all the time. Just because like I've owned watches before and I don't like wearing those because they like get in the way and they're bulky and like you have to put them on every morning. I just I love a watch. Yeah, you're you you're a watch wearer, so I yeah. feel like you have like. You have a head up on that, but I just like I don't want to wear anything like that. I don't even wear jewelry really. I like a watch. I like a simple watch. So our friend John Gruber, 
I know him. You know him? I know him. He has a blog. I've heard of it. During Fireball? Something like that. Dot net. Yeah. And he wrote a think piece before the event. Yep. Um, about what he thought Apple was going to release. And on in his part about the supposed watch, mm-hmm. he wrote something like, if Apple ends up releasing a watch that's just a skeuomorphic watch face that tells you when you have messages, hooks up to your phone, and gives you some health stuff, it'll be a failure. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I don't want... I'll be, I'll, I'd be very disappointed, I think is what he said. Yeah. I don't want to put words in his mouth. I, uh, but that's exactly what they did. I think, well, there's there's like a, a couple of other things. And so it's he also said something that I uh, agree with and have also thought this whole time, which is that it's, uh, and again, I'm going to have to kind of say the spirit of what he was saying because I don't remember exactly what it was. But it was just something about how, like, the thing that it's going to be really good at is something that we don't know we need yet. And, what is that? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, didn't see it. There, there are those. I think, I think the little the tap, the tap tap thing that it does, like the the turn by turn directions where it oh, taps uh, you twice to go left and taps you once to go right or whatever. I think that that's interesting and that that could be useful. So that you aren't just like walking around San Francisco at night looking at your phone, like looking at a map on your phone. You're instead uh, walking around with a thousand dollar wristwatch that glows. Sure, and, and also lets people know that you have a phone. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so after you're done stealing the watch, please make sure to get the phone. Absolutely. Um, but you know, I think that, that that I think that that's interesting. Um, it notifies you when you get, you know, a text message. Oh, but I it, so don't want that. But it does. Well, I think that you can set certain things for certain people so it's like like say you know if it were just like henry or whatever and like you're in a meeting and your phone it doesn't make any sort of audible noise so nobody can hear that any like that anything came through but like if you get like three taps on your wrist then you know it's like an emergency from henry so i think that there are things like that that can be interesting that ultimately will hopefully cut down on people staring at their phones in hopes that something will pop up. That that's interesting. I'd be I'd I'd be curious. I'm curious to see whether you're right about that. Well, because I think I mean for me and and for other people that I know, often I mean there are people that just stare at their phones because they are antisocial and they just like want to look at this cozy little thing in front of their faces. And then sometimes like you're waiting for a message from a recruiter or you're waiting for a message from a friend who you're making plans with or something sure. like that. And you don't want to be rude when you're with another person, but you need well, to get that message. All right. So I think there are things like that. Um, I think another thing. But I, I also see people who, I mean, every time their phone goes off or vibrates, they have to look at it. Oh like, yeah, totally. But I think that, I think that if you, if you have those parameters where it's just like, if my boyfriend texts me, then then give me a little tap and then like if so you can go get a little tap <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you lobbed it in you can uh but but it's actually interesting they're um they really did a lot of they gave a lot of lip service to like the couples features which haven't ever really been um a major selling point of the what ter- of technology before there's like a thing where it's it's all part of that tap 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 thing i don't remember what it's called but um but Taptics. like 
What, well, yeah, where it's just like you can you can send somebody your heartbeat or whatever. Where the fuck would I do that? I think that it's like a like a new dating people thing because you know there are oh, all those Jesus. apps where like you can like thumb kiss over the app and things like that. I see a lot of these like Tamagotchis. Yeah, but with real people on the other end. Yeah. Um, I think that that's I think that that's interesting. How because, much do these things cost? Well, the watch will yeah. start at three forty nine. Is so. that is that the eighteen karat gold one? <laughs> no. What problem is this actually solving? What problem is it solving? Uh, I mean, <laughs> we needed more money. Apple yeah. needed money. Apple needed and money. And we had run out of ways to give them money. Yeah, exactly. So they so they came up with a watch. Well, and I think that there is I think that there is a shift in the industry, the overall industry. You see a lot of wearables happening. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, here's the here's the thing that that gets me. Apple used to be a leader in all that stuff. In what stuff? An innovation leader, let's say. Yes. Now they were, they were rarely the first. Mm -hmm. They were rarely the first to market with anything. But they were always the best. But man, the minute that they came out with something, mm -hmm. it's like changed the landscape. Like it just blew everything else away. Like when the when the iPhone wasn't uh, when we first saw the iPhone. Yeah. Like other companies had made smartphones mm -hmm. and. Then Apple was doing a phone, and I remember seeing everybody's drawings of what an Apple phone might look like. Oh, Do you remember it was, that? It was always like a click wheel iPod. Right. It was always or it was always inspired by something that already existed. Right. It was always inspired by something that already existed. And the it iPhone always, was something that didn't exist. Yeah, and there was an Apple logo on it. Yeah. And that was the Apple phone. Yeah. And then, you know, the iPhone came out and it was like, holy shit, mm -hmm. we didn't think of this. Yeah. Like, nobody saw that coming. Yeah. And now, if you take a look at phones that are on the market now. They all look like they all They all look like iPhones. Yep. Talk about, like, taking an entire industry and and just changing it to what you wanted it to be, to what you saw. Yeah. And having them all follow you. Yep. And I think what I saw... What I saw yesterday, and maybe we had already been seeing this for a couple years. Yesterday was the first day that I was like, that's it. It's over. <laughs> Apple's now in second place. Second to whom? Well, second to Android as far as the phones go. Mm. Because all of a sudden, like, what we're doing with the iOS, mm -hmm. and I like, I like uh, iOS 7, by the way. Mm-hmm. What, but what, we, what we're doing with the iOS is Androidifying it. In what sense? In the sense of, you know, the iconography mm. and the, the flatness. and. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting one because I think that Apple, well, you know, you were saying like Apple was never the first to do anything. Right. I think that what they were the first to do was care a lot about design. Oh, I, I don't know if they were the first. Uh, I mean, like, if you think about other computer companies, like, I mean, like, yes. like industrial design and yes. UI design. Of the computer companies, Apple cares about design the most. I'm not going to argue with you yeah, there. Yeah. Totally I'm, believe And that. I'm talking about, like, back in the 80s <laughs> and, like, in the 90s. Like, they were, uh, like, like, I mean, I don't know. I've been using Macs for forever. And, like, you know, back in the 90s and you were in the early 90s the operating system Macintosh was just fantastic and Windows was just a giant pile of garbage and it still is kind of yeah but 
yesterday I started getting the sense that like they're playing catch up, like with the phone sizes. Yeah, that's it's like all of it, like like Androids gamble with the phones. Mm-hmm. Like, what can we do that they're not? Oh, we'll make them huge. Yeah, and I understand. I I don't want a huge phone, but I totally understand the uh, like the 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 attraction of a huge phone. I tweeted about this a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Like, because yesterday when the huge phone came out, I went on a rant like, I don't want a huge phone, blah, blah, blah. I don't use, like, why would I want a huge phone? Like, if I want to read a book, I use a Kindle. If I want to see a movie, I have my iPad. And, you know, if I want to see a, a movie another way, I use my <laughs> Apple TV. And I realized, <laughs> oh, my God. different devices. <laughs> I'm such a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Some people just want to have two or one or yeah. Yeah, but there's there's a a, a a ton of people out there who are going to choose like their one computing device. Mm-hmm. And if I had to choose my one computing device, it would probably be a big ass phone. Mm-hmm. It'd probably be the biggest fucking phone that I could get. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I guess it depends on what your computing consists of. Well, I mean, let's say that it's like Joe Citizen computing. Yeah. And it's like texting, Facebooking, t- tweeting. General communication general, and intake of media. Yeah. Yeah. Movie-wise. Yeah, that's... The, the, and like very light creation of documents. And, sure. Yeah. Mostly creation of emails. Yeah. I'd probably get a big-ass phone. Yep. And the reason that I don't want a big ass phone is because I have all of these other devices that that because I've decided I need a device for every particular need because that allows <laughs> me to buy more devices, which I can do. Yeah. Which is in, which I'm incredibly lucky to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, for professional reasons, I kind of have to do, or at least that's the lie that I keep telling myself. It just is. That's probably the lie that's gonna that's that's gonna make me end up with a stupid watch on my wrist. I mean, yeah, like same. I don't I don't know that it's a lie. I again, like, I don't think that I have any personal interest in that. Like, if there was another device that was made by another company that did exactly the same thing as this watch, like hooked up with an iPhone and did all the tap tap tap, I don't think that I would buy it. Fanboys would be making so much fun of it. So much fun of it. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's the thing. If Samsung had released what Apple released mm-hmm. yesterday as a watch, fanboys would be making so much fun of it. And they'd be <laughs> saying, wait until Apple releases a watch. Yeah. It's going to blow all of these watches out of the water. So I guess what part of it is, is that I think that based on this lifetime of loyalty to this company and brand... I have some sort of a faith in them that they why do we through. have a, why do we have any loyalty towards a huge corporation um i I think that that's, I mean I get it yeah I mean I think the same reason you would have loyalty to anything a kind of shoe that you wear or a hair cutter or something things that they've done in the past have worked for you yeah and, but it's different than that like I mean well, apple is it's a different kind of loyalty that people have for sure I, I mean and I'm I I'm totally complicit in this. Not as bad as some people. But I mean there's like there's a type of shoe that I like, there's a type of shirt that I like. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't like see somebody wearing like the competitor's shoe mm-hmm. and and think what an asshole. They probably beat their wife. Well, it's such a weird thing because 
you you think back to like 10 or 15 years ago and nobody used Apple computers and people thought that they were weird and stupid. I mean, like I, I, I grew up in a really weird situation because I grew up with the internet and with computers and cell phones where I was kind of like mocked for being an Apple user. And that's, and that's what banded us together because we yeah. were the underdogs. We were the faithful. We were the people who we were refused to give up. Yeah. And so now Do you remember the wired cover where they had an yeah, Apple logo and with a, the barbed wire around it? Crown of thorns actually. Whatever. Don't, yeah. I was And then it, it said prey underneath. <laughs> yeah. I mean you must have been pretty young. I was pretty young. I mean I've seen it. I've seen it um referenced. But but yeah, I and I think so what it is now is that like there's this n- generation of adopters that happened in the last 10 or 15 years who like it because it's cool and because it's popular and because it's shiny and because it's expensive and because it has status. Um, and so now there's this weird divide where like I, like in this very situation, want to defend myself and be like, I'm not like a blind follower. I've been in this. I'm Sure. Yeah. Um, but there's a power dynamic at work that's that we need that we need to deal with. Mm-hmm. When you are part of the faithful that's rooting for the underdog, and we're talking about an underdog who's like been all but knocked out already. Yeah. And you stick with them and you believe in them. There's a li- there's there's something in that. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're out there like fighting the good fight, like no Max are actually awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Windows bullies or you know, the, how come I can't use it at work? Blah blah blah. But then when you become the biggest company in the world, yeah, that kind of attitude, the attitude that previously came across as like champion the underdog. It comes n- off as chip on your shoulder. And no, you're the bully. You're, you're the, the bully. biggest bully in the room now. Yeah. Like what I, the, the, I don't generally really, you know, commentate about Samsung or about Android or any of that stuff just because like I don't use it. And so I don't feel like it affects me. I know that, like, I guess I'm in the, the digital design industry, but I'm, you know, I won't refuse to like work on those platforms because I think they're dumb. But what I, what still bugs me, and what's what is very hard to, I guess, and I feel like I have to personally defend myself for whatever reason, is when there are like relatives or like boyfriends of friends that are just like, oh well, my phone has a nine megapixel camera, and your iPhone is like stupid. I just want to be like you're an idiot. Like your phone is a piece of junk, and I just go walk, away. I, I, oh god, that stuff's so boring. I just <laughs> I walk away from it. Like, I just yeah. Like I think that I personally come from a place where I both get mansplained to, and it's by people who think that I am just like an Apple fanboy who like got an iPod and think that I know about computers now, and so it puts me in a really strange position where I get I feel defensive about it. Sure, I get that. Um, but, you know, anyway, uh, there were a lot more announcements that happened yesterday. Good things, NFC, mobile payments, that's going to be great. I don't know if I would have announced mobile payments after the fappening. <laughs> that was not necessarily iCloud, though. I don't Doesn't know. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I think that it's they like, were working on it for long enough to where they weren't just going to push it off. But. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, honestly, do you want? But do you want that to be what people are talking about? Nah. Because the conversation this morning is: Can I trust the people who couldn't keep those pictures safe 
with my with my payment info. Yeah, I mean, and, I don't know. And, I mean, the truth is we already do. Yeah. But they're trying to expand it to be a much bigger thing. Mm -hmm. And there's already this conversation on the table. And did you want to add another... You, you you're basically light uh, throwing kerosene on 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 the the iCloud fire. Yeah, I mean it it could go either way though. Like if they would have actually held it back, then people would have been like, "Oh, well, you guys did have security problems, so like, what are you going to do now? How can we trust you in the future?" Like I don't know if the timing. I think you tell people, "Look, we got this thing that we're working on. We're ready to roll it out. We think it's solid, mm -hmm. but." Right now, we want to further. We want to do further testing of of iCloud, and we want to check how we're handling like password author uh, authorization. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that when we let that when we release this for you to use, it is as rock solid as we can possibly make it. Yeah, I mean, do you think that that should have been like a part of the announcement yesterday? Like, should they have said that on stage, or no. would that have have no, come off? No, I think as you say that ahead of time. Mm hmm Like, what do you mean? You do a pre-release. But it kind of was a pre-release because it's not out yet. You don't announce it on stage. People were expecting it, right? Uh, it was rumored. Yeah, it was rumored. Yeah. So because it was rumored, I think you deal with it before the event. Mm hmm And you say, hey, you know what? You guys were right. We are working on this. Here's why it's not going to be on stage tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a fine idea. I, can't, I could never see Apple doing that. Yeah, I, they don't make a lot of statements well, about that kind of stuff. They're so well. I couldn't see Apple making a large ass iPhone just because Android did. They're catching up. I don't know. They should. That company has never been in the catch up game, and it's playing catch up now. Well, they've been in the not catch up game, but get out of the. They only have five percent of the market share, and then increase that a lot. Game. Yeah. They've they've been they've been at the bottom before. And they've worked their way well, up. They're nowhere near the bottom now. Let, I don't think they're in trouble by any means. I, I think that Apple, I think it's not that they've never had to catch up. I think it's never that they've had to uh, be on the defense before. I don't think they need to be on the defense now. Yeah, no, they don't need to be. But I think, because, you know, like, even if you look at, like, their marketing campaigns five years ago that were, like, Mac versus PC, they were always on the offense. They were always yeah. trying to stick up for themselves. I think they're designing in fear. Yeah. You're designing scared. A you bit. cannot design scared. You yeah. will never do good design if you're designing scared. But it's hard at the top. I mean, I would imagine. I don't I don't have a multi-billion dollar company. So I don't really know. I don't know what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to think about though. Anyway, we gotta go. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Mike. We will be here next week. Yep, right after I get back from XOXO. Oh, right, the conference that I'm banned from. Yeah. Nice. We'll have fun. All right. I will. 